0: It's the next level. Ten dead bodies, four breasts. Of course, we had to cut those out to conform to TNT standards, but I wanted you to know that we're only missing four, okay? Nine gallons of blood. Janitor on a Nail, Exploding Stomach, Axe in the Face, Rat Foo, Wrought Iron Fence Foo, Multiple Acid Foo, Javelin Foo, Lawn Boy Foo, Commode Foo, three stars. Check it out and then we'll be back with the male girl and lots more Wacky Hijinks on Monster Vision.
1: Do you ever fantasize? about being killed, do you ever wonder about all the different ways of dying, you know, violently, I wonder, like, what would be the most horrible way to die?
0: Well, hello, Mr. Fancy. gum and kick ass and i'm all out of public the following program may contain mature subject matter discretion is advised
1: yes i know so much for spoiler warnings am i right here's the thing when i realized joe bob briggs had actually had Slaughter High on his show way back in the day of Monster Vision. It was actually the second film, so it was the last call with Joe Bob Briggs. Anyways, when I found out that those, you know, the drive-in totals were online and I could totally snag them, I'm like, I am so incorporating those into my show so that I can segue into some pretty cool news. Because as of April 29th, 2022, returning to Shudder, the last drive-in with Joe Bob Briggs, season four which will also be the 100th film that The Last Drive-In has shown on Shutter, so it's supposed to be a really big film and everything. A lot of people assume it'll be Night of the Living Dead, but who knows. Anyways, that's pretty cool. It also comes on the same weekend as Shockstock, which is the horror convention in London, Ontario. That kicks off April 29th, runs till May 1st, so needless to say, the ending of April will kick off with some really good times. And I'm pretty geeked about it because I'm going to be part of both of that. Well, sort of. I mean, last year I've been all watch on Shudder. But then on April 30th, I'm going to Shockstock. So anyways, you get the point. It's kind of cool. and I'm pretty excited about it. Anywho, I know. Hey, kids. It's, you know, your favorite uncle postmortem. It's been around. It's been a while since I've been around. I know. This year has been a bit of a weird one for me thus far winter actually got to me this year i think it's because it was a bitter winter like very windy and usually that's not the part of winter i enjoy which kind of sucks because then i end up that i'm complaining like everybody i laugh at during the winters i don't know it sucked this year it just wasn't cool So, but anyways, for the benefit of the show, I took an unplanned hiatus to recuperate and get my bearings back, you know, all those cool little cliche sayings everybody always says, you know, because as an influencer and a content creator, you know, I I hate when people say those things. Anyways, here we are, finally, Um, back, because from the Next Level Network of Podcasts and Studio Zero, the podcast that asks, who the fuck? Fuck takes a bath in an abandoned school that has a creep level factor of 9,000. Welcome back, everyone, to What Lurks behind, behind Podcast Zero. Zero. And as it is no surprise, this week's return to the show is the long, unawaited episode where I, Postmortem Paul, will break down a slasher that is better than it had any right being. And we love it for it. Because this week, episode 119 takes a u-turn back to 1986 to haunt the halls of doddsville high in the film from the producers of pieces and don't open till christmas this week slaughter high Mm Hmm. yeah how many of you have seen this movie Uh, i'm not sure Uh, anyways let's talk some shit okay i have a few movies i need to actually talk about i did keep up on watching movies throughout the past couple weeks and whatnot um I know, it's been like a month, actually. I realized that. I think the last episode I released was like February 21st or 20th or something like that. And I was like, wow, it's been a full fucking month. Didn't think it was that long. But anyways, did watch some flicks. Um, two of them were exclusives on Shudder, actually. The first one being The Seed. Again, exclusive flick on Shudder. Uh, apparently it was shown at the film festivals and whatnot. The whole idea of the film is that these three quote-unquote content creators uh basically annoying people who go places share it on social media and consider themselves important they go out to this house owned by one of their dads one of the three girls it's their dad that owns this house it's out in the middle of nowhere and basically they do a lot of annoying things and then some meteorite lands in the backyard and it hatches a mario koopa looking alien that will morph into something bigger and try to impregnate the girl's Or something like that, and it does it in some, like, society-like orgy kind of way, and you're thinking, this sounds amazing. Here's the problem. The girls are annoying. Very annoying. I mean, okay, there's the one girl in the movie, Charlotte. She's okay. Uh, She's the dark-haired one. The other two are blondes fucking annoying as hell i i have a feeling that this may be some form of satirized version of what you know youtubers and that kind of ilk might be like and maybe that's what they're trying to just take a little stab at it or whatever but it's just not that entertaining like for the first i'd say 45 minutes to an hour i'm like okay when do we kill them (laughs) because it's like they're very annoying characters now the cool thing about the film though is the practical effects very well done it actually makes the film worth checking out and the alien is kind of cute in a weird animatronic alien that looks very mario reptilian inspired kind of way so i mean yeah i watched the film i thought it was okay um i will say like you know if you check it out it's it's something that's worth checking out but mainly for the the last half hour the first hour i'd say more or less Uh, even though like, I think there's like supposed to be, there's like some statement about influencers on the net or whatever. It's trying to take a stab at them or whatever. It's just somewhat of a bore that part, eh, whatever, but the alien and the cool practical effects and stuff, that's all worth it. So, I mean, I say, check it out, whatever. Moving on to another one, hellbender. And the story behind this one is it's a witch and her overprotective mother her basi- who basically keeps her daughter shielded from the world, not because of what the world could do to her, but what her daughter could do to the world. It's supposed to be like, it's like it's some weird coming-of-age kind of movie, some cool witchcraft uh, elements and whatnot, but it's supposed to be that as this girl gets older, she becomes more powerful, she could cause more problems to the world. And also what's kind of weird is mom and daughter are like a heavy metal band out in the woods called hellbender. So that's where the title comes from, obviously, but it's just, <laughs> it's kind of weird. Cause it's like, mom is like rocking totally like a cradle of filth, like death metal kind of look. And, and the, lo- the well, little girl, the teenage girl, she's like the drummer and blah, blah, blah. I don't know, but I will say like the two leads, uh, the mother and the daughter, uh, mother is Toby poser. Uh, that's who it's played by. And, the daughter is played by Zelda Adams, which is kind of cool because they're also the film's directors, along with John Adams, who he also has a role in the film too. But it's the primary focus of the film is on the two, like the mother and daughter, and then obviously the daughter comes into contact with these like other kids, and all of a sudden she's starting to wonder like why is her mom so overprotective in this whole. It's like I said, it's like a whole coming of age kind of story thing. Um, but the two leads, Zelda and Toby, are really worth watching. Um, they're actually pretty much the highlight of the film, along with the visuals. The cinematography—it's—it's um, a—it's it's so awesome. If the story doesn't grab you, the the visuals will. Like it just, it's just—it's a gorgeous looking film. Very slow burn. Uh, it's you know it's one of those slow burn films with that has more of the uneasy feeling type of horror. It's not. It, not this mainstream jump scare every so many minutes kind of horror it's it's a very unsettling film and it i will say it's not a movie for everyone uh those who will enjoy it they will enjoy it plenty um but i mean mainstream horror fans you'll get some who'll be like okay that was very interesting but if it doesn't have the jump scares it's not the conjuring it's not those kinds of films so i mean it's it's a hit or miss right It's one that I really liked. I definitely recommend this one. It's not nearly half as boring as The Seed's first half is. And it's a good witchcraft flick, which we don't... You get some of those, but witchcraft is one of those things that it's either extremely hokey or extremely well done. And this is one of them that I put more in the well done category. Also worth mentioning, (laughs) because it was kind of funny, I finally got around to seeing this movie called He Never Died. Remember that movie with Henry Rollins, he was playing some emotionless and wingless angel that was stuck on earth to exist in a boring swell of sleeping, watching TV and playing bingo? Yeah, remember that movie? (laughs) Well, I had it like marked on my Netflix and never actually got to watching it, so the other, eh, this might have been about a week ago, I was like, I kinda just wanna watch something stupid that I don't have to really think very hard, and... I was looking through my different streaming services because now like they're like cable channels. We have so many of them and I came across that and I was like, all right, fine, let's watch this. So anyways, like I said, yeah, he's this angel stuck on earth with no life until this day that his should have been aborted uh, daughter shows up. And Jack, that's Henry Rollins, um, somehow gets messed up in some like small time mafia, like with these little like gangster hoodlums or whatever. And they take Jack's daughter hostage, and now he has to save her. And yeah, you kind of get the idea. It's listed as a horror comedy. I seriously saw no horror in the film, aside from maybe like when he has to eat human flesh to survive. But other than that, like, I mean, they even do that very tastefully. Like, he keeps, like, you know, limbs in his fridge, (laughs) but like hidden, like wrapped up in, like, you know, meat paper and stuff like that. Definitely had a fun time with the movie, though. I will say that it was weird. Very um, intriguing little film. Seeing Henry Rollins pull off all his scenes with almost no emotion. It's weird because it actually gives the movie a lot of character. For a character with no emotion, it's actually it's very more entertaining, like more entertaining than it should have been. Let me put it that way, like I now would I rewatch it? As I could even say this about the other two films. I don't know that I would return to it very often, but I think I would at some point down the road. I did like he never died. Let me say that. Like it, w- it wasn't a horrible film I did enjoy aspects of it I don't know that I would watch it often it's not one I, I can't see myself buying it let's put it that way but it was definitely worth checking out uh, as with the other two films they're worth checking out I'm not sure how much you guys will like them or you won't like them but I put it out there quickly also worth noting uh so Waxwork Records been really busy this early part of the year Uh, They just recently shipped out the Fear Street triple LPs. It's a nice, gorgeous blue record, a green record, and sort of like a pinkish-reddish color record. Three records. uh, Each one is a different film. There's Fear Street 1994, 1978, and 1666. I got mine today. Yeah! I mean, keep in mind, uh, a lot of us pre-ordered those back in July of 2021, so getting it was, like, finally, like finally you're home you know it it was nice um it's if you've already pre-ordered yours if you don't already have it it's on its way to you they've been doing really good um i know that they have been doing some re-releases this past month they uh just uh, bride of frankenstein is a repress um ah, what was the other repress they did shit i can't think of it at the top of my head um they released Texas Chainsaw Massacre 2, the score for that. They released the score for Carrie. They've done that this year. Uh, just announced today, Malignant Ships in the month of April. So that's pretty cool. And uh, also, uh, Terror Vision Records. This past little week, they put out... Um, they, this past little week... No, this past week, they put out a little pre-order. That's what I meant to say. Put out a little pre-order for a release of the Demon Wind score. If you've ever seen this movie... <laughs> Fucking weird, but <laughs> everything this week is weird to me. I noticed I'm saying this word a lot, but um, yeah. So, uh, Demon Wind, um, it's the score is on Spotify, and I think it's on YouTube and Amazon and stuff like that, like different streaming services. But it's never been released on vinyl. Well, they're releasing it on vinyl for the first time. I will say this: this is a warning to any of you who may be interested. If you live in Canada, the shipping is a bit on the hefty side. I'm not going to. Uh, you know, I'm not gonna candy coat that. It's yeesh. But <laughs> the thing is, the soundtrack is really good. And the product's presentation is just gorgeous. Like, what, how they put it together. It looks fucking awesome. So if vinyl is your thing, it might be worth the extra pennies. That's all I'm gonna say about that. As for the next movie's soundtrack, well, here's the thing. If it was ever released, I couldn't find any trace of it
0: anywhere
1: anywhere but the composer however is one of like the horror fan base out there they know this guy really well yeah so let's do this trailer time out i gotta get back into the swing of things fuck a month vacation jesus um trailer time out and when we return we are going to revisit this somewhat beloved slasher uh it's as with most horror films i find it's very hit or miss some people love it some people hate it but i find the people that love it are like extremely like passionate about it it's like holy shit this is my jam so when we return we're gonna revisit it it's a fun little movie that has a bit of bad mojo attached to it i'm gonna say that right now and i'll explain that after the break so let's do it slaughter high trailer starts now
0: Marty Ranson was the dork of Doddsville High. You get undressed in there. His classmates laughed at him. Are you ready? Here's Marty. Where's the They something? tormented him. Where's the And then they went too far. <laughs> Now, five years later, Marty's throwing a little party. Put lights on. A class reunion. Come on, you guys, let's party.
1: They say he still roams the nut house, ever hopeful of that chance to escape, so he can take his evil revenge out on us all.
0: And he's making sure everyone has the time of their life. I feel sick! Oh. He's created a romantic atmosphere for rekindling old flames a nice place to just hang around. Marty hasn't forgotten a thing. He's giving them a blast from the past they'll never forget. Marty Ranson is still a dork, but tonight he's getting even. Bestron Pictures presents
1: Slaughter High. So when you guys are listening to my show, I have a question for you, like, and I know nobody's going to answer me, anyways. But hey, I'm throwing it out there. Do you consider me a content creator? I don't. I personally don't. I I, I don't understand this whole thing that, you know, all of a sudden YouTubers and podcasters around the world want to make themselves sound more important than they really are. We we talk. That's all we do. Half the time, I can't even talk properly. My tongue gets tied, and I sound like a bibbling idiot. But and I don't mean that in like some negative way. What I'm saying is is that I don't consider this content. I just consider it my opinion that I'm putting out there and someone either agrees with me or they don't. Like, <laughs> I don't know. I don't, I'm not a, a film student. I'm not someone who's got some great education background in film or anything. I just talk about movies and I talk about actors and actresses and I laugh at things and whatnot. I don't consider myself a content creator yet i know that this is a thing you know and i talked about it earlier when i was talking about the seed like i don't know i'm just talking and i don't i i don't find that to be creating anything except noise <laughs> maybe i don't know i will say this though just quickly uh, on the facebook page i posted a couple articles um so elvira mistress of the dark um Cassandra Peterson, basically, has joined Rob Zombie's Monsters film. She's going to be the, um, what is it, the real estate agent? She's going to be in that. There's an image of her already. She's actually donning her actual red hair and not the black wig, so that's kind of cool. And then just recently reported, Christina Ricci has joined the Wednesday Addams project that's coming from Netflix that Tim Burton is producing or directing or whatever I don't know I'll be honest with you I haven't been really paying attention to it because I sort of didn't know if I was going to be interested and then I saw Christina Ricci's name got attached to it and I'm like okay now I'm on board I will give it a shot so just putting that out there anyways all that aside now let's move on to the film review of the week slaughter high i guess maybe i am a content creator because i put on this character like slaughter high you know no i'm just literally being me um which is not true true i don't know i'm trying to keep everything mysterious i don't know if it's working probably not slaughter high was released november 14th 1986 time to ignore everything else and just get on with the movie It had a limited release, but in some areas, the film remained in theaters until early spring of 1987, which was more common back in the 80s and even in the 90s. Some movies would actually stay in theaters for months, like, and even some of them a year. Like, I think Pulp Fiction, if I remember correctly, Pulp Fiction was in theaters for like almost a year. Like, it was a lot more common back then nowadays you know a movie comes out like the batman just got released they're already talking about it going digital 45 days later and then it'll be out on blu-ray like another month later and stuff things move too rapidly nowadays where back in the day like there were times a movie came out it didn't have its vhs release until almost a year and a half after it was in the theaters so I know, probably because it was you know a lot more processed to you know, produce the, the physical coffees and whatnot. But, but whatever, it's just, back in the day, things were a slower process than they are today. The movie, Slaughter High, was written and directed by George Dugdale, Mark Ezra, and Peter Mackenzie Lytton. And I will say that Dugdale, George Dugdale, was actually secretly dating Carolyn Monroe, the star of this film. Um, at the time of the filming. And after the filming was done, that's when the two got married, and they lived together up until January of 2020 when George Dugdale passed away. Mark Ezra worked on The Dark Knight, but not the one you're thinking of. No. Um, So aside from the Nolan Dark Knight film, there was actually a UK uh, fantasy TV series called The Dark Knight. And it came out in 2000. It was kind of like, um, inspired like by Dungeons and Dragons, sort of Game of thrones like kind of show or whatnot. Live action format and all that sort of stuff. Uh, obviously not to the budget of Game of Thrones, but... It was sort of done like that, but it's just it's funny because if you say to people, oh, Mark Ezra worked on The Dark Knight, and they're like, he did? Like, I didn't know. No, because he didn't work on that one. <laughs> um, and Peter Litton, uh, his other grand piece of work comes in the form of, uh, he was a special effects creator on the creature feature, Rawhead Racks, which just recently got reported it's getting a 4K Blu-ray release in the very near future. Now, Slaughter High was actually, during the filming of it, the filming title for it was April Fool's Day, which makes sense if you know the story. Problem is, is that Paramount grabbed the rights to the name, like the title, before the producers of this film could lay claim to it, so because there's that other film that came out same year in, in 1986 called April Fool's Day, well... Wow. That's because Paramount bought the rights to that title before. These guys did, so these guys had to change their movie title to Slaughter High. And I talk about the producers. The producers for this film are Steve Manassian and Dick Randall. And I've talked about both guys on this show uh, before. uh, Previous episodes, actually, a couple of them. Uh, The Pieces episode, episode 100... And then when I did the seasonal episode of "Don't Open Till Christmas," yeah, both guys were involved with that as well. As a matter of fact, I believe this is the third and final film where both Manassian and Randall work together in producing movies. Uh, Dick Randall in this film, much like in "Don't Open Till Christmas," uh, he had a. In "Don't Open Till Christmas," he had an uncredited party guest role. Uh, in this one, he plays the role of Manny. Manny is Carol's. Um, like uh, acting manager, like what you know, her, deals with all her acting um, affairs and whatnot. So it's a small little role. It's also a role in which we get a little Easter egg that I will talk about a little bit later down the road in the review. The cinematography for this movie is by Alan Pudney. Uh, he also worked on the film Don't Open Till Christmas. The music score for this movie. Now this is a this is a cool little factoid. First off, it was done by Harry Manfredini. If you are familiar with the name, it's because you are familiar with the Friday the 13th scores. He did, I think, what, out of the 12 films, I think he did like nine of them, I want to say. I could be wrong about that. Anyways, uh, the music for this movie does not exist in any physical format, though. There's no CD, cassette, vinyl, none of that. Um, Pieces of it, obviously, can be found on YouTube primarily the theme song that plays during the end credits and sporadically throughout the movie. Um, but his his actual score has never had a physical or digital release of any type, probably because a significant portion of Manfredini's score in this film is actually from previous work on his Friday the 13th films. He borrowed little pieces here and there, and he put it together and called it a score for this. <laughs> um, so, yeah, that is that. Onto our starring cast, which there's a little bit of a dark spot to this, but I'll try to not focus so much on it. But it's something that is worth mentioning. And we're going to start, obviously, with our class nerd and our killer for this movie, uh, Simon Scudamore as Marty Ranson. Um this is his only film. Now, I will say that during the filming of Slaughter High, they couldn't film on weekends. And the reason for that was because uh, Simon was unavailable due to commitments of him helping out at a school for deprived children. Uh, he did believe in doing a lot of like charity kind of work and stuff like that. Sadly, though, Simon's story is a brief and tragic one. And the reason for that is because just after the initial filming of Slaughter High had concluded... He died. Uh, it was an apparent drug overdose suicide. Uh, he he was only 28 years old and unfortunately never got to see this film even get its release uh, as it was released two years later. He, he passed away in 1984. Um, I will say that both uh, George Dugdale and Peter Litton, they were really worried because if, if you've seen this film, it, it, some of the quote-unquote bullying is quite brutal and so they were kind of worried like knowing um you know when they found out that he battled with heavy depression uh they they were really worried that this the filming of this might have kind of pushed him over the edge and whatnot it was actually simon's mother who put them at ease and made them realize you know what he battled with depression his whole life As a matter of fact movie working on this movie was a highlight for simon so It's a shame he never got to see its release. He did get to be a part of it, though, and it was something that gave him great joy near the end of his life. Unfortunately, he did lose his battle against depression in an apparent drug overdose suicide. We are going to move on from Simon now to the star of the film being Carolyn Monroe. She was the big name that was the pull-in at the time, big you know, B-movie scream queen. Right up there with the likes of like Jamie Lee Curtis, Marilyn Burns, and Carolyn Monroe is another one. And I've talked about her on this show a few times. Uh, Episodes like Don't Open Till Christmas and Star Crash. (laughs) Star Crash, God, I love that movie. Um, When she shot this film, she was 35 years old, playing like a 17 or 18 year old. And actually did it quite convincingly. Though she does have the British accent that at times, you know, showed its face. But whatever, it is what it is. Um, moving on to Carmine Ian Nacone. Uh, he played the character of Skip. He was also in the film Made to Order with Ali Sheedy. Uh, that's the movie about where she's like the rich brat. And her fairy godmother turns her into a maid to show her, you know, that life isn't always served on a silver platter kind of thing. He was in that. And he was in an episode of Moonlighting with Sybil Shepherd and Bruce Willis. Oh, yeah. Good old Bruce Willis. Yippee-ki-yay, motherfucker. Okay. Uh, by the way, there's quite a bit of cast to this, but. A lot of them did one or two things, or they did a lot of voice acting sort of stuff. So this won't take too long to get through, as much as there's a lot of names attached to it. Uh, Donna Yeager as Stella, she had two credits. Two movie credits, she was in this film, and in a TV movie known as Strong Medicine. Uh, Gary Martin plays the character of Joe. He's primarily knowing. knowing known as a voice actor for video games and animated shows he was in the film frankenweenie um he was the voice of the giant sea monkeys so that's kind of cool uh billy hartman plays the character of frank he was also in the 1986 film highlander Um, he played one of the mcleods i think what did i say it was doug mcleod i believe is who he played and then we have Michael Safran as Ted Harrison. He <laughs> One of his credits is actually he was listed as the children wrangler for the movie Dogma. Uh, so he worked on the Kevin Smith film Dogma, but it wasn't actually as an actor. He was um, he had to wrangle up the children. <laughs> uh, and, and I'm serious. This is a credit that was on IMDb to his name. And I was like, all right, that's interesting. Uh, Moving on to uh, John Siegel as Carl Putney. And he was in an episode of Doctor Who in 1987 uh, during the era when the Doctor was played by Sylvester McCoy. I want to say that is the seventh Doctor, if I remember correctly. I sort of get confused with the Doctors. Uh, (laughs) I know from the ninth on easily, but some of the earlier ones, it's like... Which one was which again? And I believe Sylvester was the seventh doctor. Um, Kelly Baker as Nancy. She was in the movie Don't Open Till Christmas. Sally Cross plays the character of Susan. Uh, She was in the 1971 movie Together. Uh, The importance behind the movie Together is it was directed by Sean S. Cunningham, Friday the 13th, and starred Marilyn Chambers from Rabid josephine scandy as shirley she was most recently in a 2019 film called fuck you immortality wow i struggled on that i was hoping i wouldn't fuck you immortality there we go that's a little bit better uh that that film also featured nicholas vince which if the name sounds familiar to you he is the chatterer from the hellraiser films uh the first two hellraiser and uh, hellbound hellraiser 2 So she was in that most uh, that I think that was actually her most recent film. I don't think she's done anything in 2020 or 2021. Uh, Mark Smith as the coach. He's the coach in this film. Uh, Originally, they wanted Telly Savalas or Peter Lawford to be the coach in this movie but both actors wanted too much money so mark was third up and got the job he's mainly known for voice acting roles um which includes this is an interesting one he has an uncredited role in uh ridley scott's blade runner he was the voice of the off-world tourism ad you know how in the film they had the different ad well obviously that you know there's a lot of different ads and you know promotion shit like that um what, what do they call that um shit i can't think of it now but anyways it, it, there was the zeppelins that were flying overhead of los angeles and they had the different ads and whatnot he was the voice for the off-world tourism ad he also had an uncredited voice role in the movie hardware which is a really good cyberpunk film uh he also worked on anime series like 80 police files and cyber city oedo 808 so he, he had his run in the cyberpunk uh, genres for sure. Uh, John Clark as Digby. He worked on another Mark Ezra project, um, 1995 film known as Savage Hearts, and that was actually his only other credit. So he was in this and Savage Hearts. And that is that, kids. Uh, The runtime for Slaughter High is an hour and 30 minutes long. It is rated R for male and female nudity, severe violence, language, frightening scenes, and substance abuse. The budget was $2.1 million. Profits? Who the fuck knows? Couldn't find it anywhere, so I kind of gave up. The synopsis for this movie. For Slaughter High, a.k.a. April Fool's Day. It's not actually April Fool's Day, but I think that's the title it really should have gone with. But anyways, there's horror in the halls, lynching in the lunchroom, murder in metal shop. Welcome to Slaughter High, where the students are dying to get out. Marty was the nerd everyone made fun of. All the jocks and pretty girls teased, taunted, and tortured him mercilessly. Things went too far when one of their jokes backfired disfiguring Marty for life. It's five years later, and Marty is throwing a reunion for all his high school friends. Friends in quotes. Does he have a surprise for them, though? The prom queen, the jock, the class clown, the busybody, the rebel, and a few select others have all been invited for Marty's gala of gore. Five years ago, Marty got mad. Now he's going to get even. In one riot of a reunion. And for this next segment of the show, I'm calling this, I Got the Nitric Acid Blues. I know that was horrible, but you're still listening, I hope. (laughs) Uh, So yes, so this film was shot entirely in London, England story takes place in the United States. But if you remember when I talked about Pieces, Pieces was a film that took place in New England, but was shot completely in like Italy and Spain and different parts of the EU. Well, same with this. The, the, the entire film was filmed in London, England, yet the story is supposed to take place in the United States. And I mentioned Pieces. Yes. So the Easter egg in here is when Manny played by Dick Randall is talking to Carol on the phone. Um, You see in the background, where where, when they show Manny, there's a poster for pieces. Um, And that was obviously thrown in there because Dick Randall and Steve Manassian both produced pieces, and they produced this. Uh, Okay, so I I know I keep calling this movie April Fool's Day because I do feel it's the more fitting title. But, however, in Japan and Spain, that is actually how they know this movie for some reason fucking strange reason the rest of the world knows it as slaughter high but in japan and in spain the movie actually has the title of april fool's day and i guess there's old vhs recordings that are out from both countries where that's the title on the vhs packaging which i'm like it bits man they should have stuck with it i get it i know legal issues right but whatever which okay so slaughter high is an interesting little flick but deals with some pretty deep ideas and some themes, especially with the aspect of bullying. Although with this (laughs) film, I don't know if I call these kids bullies. I call them goddamn criminals. Like, they're right out fucking downright despicable pieces of shit. Who fucks with someone's, like, chemistry set and, like, okay, so I, I understand the joke was, it backfired, but what was the joke supposed to do? Like, you're fucking around with chemicals and you knew something was going to happen. It's the same with, like, when they give them the joint and it causes them to, like, you know, like, violently vomit and whatnot. Like, I there's a, there's a difference between a joke or a prank and trying to kill someone. And I feel like, had Marty died from this, these kids could have been charged with fucking manslaughter. Like, so, I don't know that I call that bullying. Uh, it's a little bit more extreme. But then at the same token, I do gotta ask this. Who the fuck puts nitric acid on the most unstable of shelving units at the top? There's nothing anchoring this shelving unit down and it weebles and wobbles around like a drunken ass hat on St. Paddy's Day. Like, I don't know, like as much as the quote unquote friends of Marty, you know, they're they're fucking hateful assholes, at the same time, school negligence did have to play a part in this as well. Like, I don't know. It, it, we see this with institutions and, you know, businesses and whatnot. It's always reactive, never proactive. And the whole time you're watching this film, well, especially this scene, I should say, and you see that bottle of nitric acid just, like, wavering around on the top of that shelf, and I'm like, first off, Marty, move your fucking ass away from there. Number two, what school puts this shelving unit here with and it's completely unstable. Let's put all these unstable chemicals on it. like I don't know, like it's just like as much as I, yes, I want to fault, you know the ass hat kids at the same time, the school is no fucking better., um, you know, wait till someone gets hurt and then do something to protect everyone. It's typical. Anyways, uh, let's get the elephant out of the room now. yes, myself, teenage me. Being a typical male, like most typical males. The reason why we watch this movie? Carolyn Monroe. Yep. Um, I didn't realize her age when I originally saw this. I didn't realize she was actually 35 when she was playing a teenager. But hey, we see this quite often. You know, you see a lot of times where Michael J. Fox was another perfect example of that. Always played a guy a lot younger than he actually was. And she pulls it off fine. The thing is, is that the cast, and she's part of this... We're primarily British, um, pretending to be American. And I know, hey, Batman, over here. Hi. Uh, Because we're hearing this a lot lately. Why did they cast a British guy to play Batman? Well, you know, if they can do it, who the fuck cares what nationality they are? What is that? That's a human thing, too. Like, what is it we're always worried about? Well, what nationality is this person? Why does it matter? (laughs) <laughs> like fuck seriously can they play the role yeah okay then fine then i don't care if they're from zimbabwe or you know australia or some pl- island i've never heard of it doesn't matter if they can play the role that's all that matters um i do admit that yes some of the accents in this movie are not very american um but you know they get points for doing the best they could like i said the movie was filmed entirely in london And they probably didn't have the budget to start flying a bunch of actors over. So they had to work with what they had. Um, The thing is, is that when I look at the storyline for this movie, here's the thing. The storyline in some parts is really good. Like I said, deals with some, you know, deep topics and whatnot but then i also got to wonder why a bunch of kids would stick around for a reunion in an abandoned high school that easily looks rundown dilapidated there's spider webs and dust and everything all over the place and they don't know who sent the invites like they think it's skip and then skips like no i had nothing to do with this so it's like okay you have no clue who sent the invites you're in a, a rundown school that just has some janitor which i don't even know why he's still there but Apparently he is. I mean, we need to, you know, kill count. So let's put the janitor back in there and, you know, we'll kill him. And then you have to ask the question. And this is the question I love asking when I watch this movie. Who the fuck takes a bath in a place like this? Honestly, it's dirty. It's grungy. It's dilapidated, run down. And yes, I want to take a bath in this place because the water's running in the bathtub and it's like, okay. But then again, in pieces, we had a waterbed in a high school gymnasium, so I guess it speaks for itself. I don't know. The sex scene I get, and you're thinking, he gets this? Yes, humans will fuck anywhere. This is a human thing. The power of boners and vaginas is (laughs) fucking unreal. Humans can't help but playing hide the weenie and they'll play it anywhere. It doesn't matter. So that part I get, but the bathtub scene... I don't get it, but I mean, again, producers, Steve Manassi and Dick Randall pieces. We saw the waterbed in the high school gymnasium. So I guess, yes, there's this bathtub with, you know, running water and this chick feels apparently very dirty in this school. So she's going to take a bath only to get electrocuted and, you know, and she gets zapped and that's the end of that. Um, but I mean, as I wrote here where dick randall is credited there's bound to be some weird shit i guess (laughs) that's just the way it goes with this kind of movie but okay so i poke fun at the film and you know i point out the absurdity of slaughter high but it does have a really cool twist at the end you guys know the ending, right and spoilers by the way but no i always loved the ending how it really leaves it up to the imagination of the viewer um is Marty dreaming all of this? Does it actually happen? Because, see, if Marty dreamt it all, then the bathtub scene makes sense. He's just envisioning his, how he wants to get revenge on these these kids. Of course, then he goes crazy because he thinks that their zombie bodies are coming back to get him, and then he screams, and we find out he's in a mental institute where he kills a doctor with a needle through the eye, but it's kind of, It's kind of cool because this is a really good revenge flick that's not I Spit on Your Grave or Last House on the Left. But then at the same time, I do like that that ending exists because then it's like, okay, you can totally have fun with this. This is definitely a fun at parties kind of movie. Um, And okay, here's something to point out. And this is funny because I always get a kick out of how people get weirded out by this film in an era where everyone right now, we're all about equality and fair shares and love and peace and likes and subscribes and all that other bunch shit in the world right now. What I do love about this film, this is something that's interesting. And no, not because I, you know, have a fetish for naked bodies or anything, but I do love the fairness that the nudity in this film is for both sexes, which is, weird to people out. I do love when people are like, well, why did we have to see Marty Schlong? Well, why do we have to see the boobs in the bathtub scene? Like, <laughs> Or, you know, when the couple's having sex. So, I mean, I love that and, and they did this with Pieces as well. Pieces had you know, naked girls, they had the naked guy scene as well. Like, there's a fairness there and i do like that even though dick randall a lot of his films are you know well, a lot he didn't do no he did a lot it's steve monastic who didn't do a lot of films um even though dick randall you know he's known for his trashy films and whatnot and whatnot i like that he was all about equality he was like hey if the girls are getting naked so are the guys um you know and it's like i said it's just as funny for me it's what's good for the goose is good for the gander i'm kind of like that whole kind of person so i don't I, I don't get weirded out like okay so it's some guy's dick so i have one i know what it looks like it's not a big deal for me like whatever um the score by harry manfredini is minimal it's repetitive but for some reason fits the movie well I, the pacing of this film is very quick so i like that uh but most important part of the film obviously why do we tune in to slaughter high the kills and the kill scenes in this are pretty fun actually especially the gut splitter scene after ted drinks the acid beer that's a great kill um i don't know i i don't know i'm not completely you know i i'm, I'm not one of these guys that knows every anatomical kind of you know correctness and whatnot but it looks cool, whether or not it's how it would actually look. I don't fucking know, and I don't fucking care. It's just fucking fun. There is the acid bath scene, obviously, where, you know, she's burning apart and whatnot. But is it wrong of me to say it's her own damn fault? Again, like I say, who takes a bath in this place? Digby's death, um, you know, uh, picked up and you know he's picked up chokehold, basically, picked up in the air and it has his head you know jammed through a nail and whatnot no there's not much blood but it's a nice decent kill it gets a squirm out of your girlfriend or whatnot or your boyfriend depending on some hey i've actually come to learn in my time of living that a lot of guys cannot handle horror films and you know everyone always says be a man yeah okay whatever um <laughs> seriously it um, this is one of those kills where there's no blood but it's like how my head hurts watching that scene um Carol's death scene was extended and improvised to some extent because when they were nearing the end of the production uh, and editing process and whatnot, they found out the movie would only be about 75 minutes long. They wanted to stretch the runtime out a little bit. So her death scene is one of the um, extended scenes that was added to after the initial filming, which it should be mentioned that a few of those scenes where Marty's wearing the jester mask uh, if they, If the shots were filmed after the loss of Simon Scudamore, um, it's actually Mark Ezra, the director wearing the mask. Um, and where have we seen this before, folks? Um, I believe Halloween, you know, the one kill is the hand of uh, what Deborah Hill, um, How many different people wore the Michael Myers mask in that original film. So I mean this is something that you know it happens in films and uh i i have to say before i start to sum this all up i love the twist at the end i love the whole fact that it, is it in marty's head or not and i love that this the ending to this film is left so ambiguous and it, no sequel kids we didn't have a sequel there's been no reboot it's not needed just leave the film as it is the movie is fun However, not everyone seems to think so. On Rotten Tomatoes, love this. This actually makes me laugh. The movie has a 0% rating. What? That is... In its own strange way, that is fucking awesome. You, you were trying to tell me that people hate this movie this much, it doesn't even get 1%? I mean... Honestly, if you're going to go all out, then give it a fucking zero. Don't give it that, you know, that, that one penny tip. That That's an insult to a waitress. It would be an insult to this movie. Give it the fucking zero. Fine. You want to give it that big egg? Go right ahead. I think it's fucking hilarious. I mean, the audience score on Rotten Tomatoes is at 34%, but still, the 0% rating, I don't know if that is gorgeousness or a complete form of robbery. Like... <laughs> It's like what the fuck? On IMDb, the movie has a five point three out of ten. So I can settle with that. Five and six are the two most uh, most common ratings on that database. Um, I had to grab a few comments off the internet. These are a few fan comments I scraped off the net, different areas and whatnot. uh, Before I get into the podcast zero rating, because some of these are hilarious. First off, we got this comment here. It was, "Oh my gosh, who made this awesome this awful film?" Sorry. That surprisingly featured male frontal nudity, and Simon actually died in real life. Pretty much a typical B movie, really. Only watch it if you've got more spare time. So I like the fact that this person had to comment that the male frontal nudity was something that grabbed them, and then the other thing is, well, Simon died in real life. Um, so you went, <laughs> you're so focused on Simon, you, everything else was okay with you, but the the male frontal nudity is what got you. Like I said earlier, that always gets me. Uh, (laughs) Then there's this comment. Oh man, does this film suck. It isn't scary, funny, or good in any way. The poster is okay, and the only good thing to come from this awful horror comedy. Do yourself a favor and just skip this piece of crap. This must have been one of those reviews that led to that 0% rating. Uh, (laughs) This is another good one. This is my personal troll tool troll 2 as it is so idiotically bad that I actually find it hilarious on the bright side well they wrote one the bright side but on the bright side it still has some good effects yes I I have to agree with them I don't know that I go as far as to say this movie is troll 2 but it has some good effects another comment still awful and even more now Manfredini plagiarizing his own Friday music is annoying I don't know how you can plagiarize yourself I'm not sure the person is using the word correctly. I don't know. I'm not an English scholar. I'm not a film scholar. I I don't fucking know. But it just seems to me that Manfredini taking music from another film and using it here, if he created it, is he really plagiarizing himself? I don't know. Best comment I read on the, the internet, though, was this. I assume this movie was about the WWE legend Sergeant Slaughter. It wasn't. I was disappointed. That was the fucking best fucking comment I read on the internet about this movie. The podcast zero rating. What can I say? The movie is trashy. It's corny. Unrealistic. It's ridiculous. The acting is not worth writing home about. I mean, it's there, but it's not great. And you know, British actors pretending to be American with their British accents coming and going—kind of weird. Yet the movie is just so damned entertaining in all its absurdity and craziness. My rating for this film: six out of ten acid baths. It's six out of ten. I I gotta give it that. I I think it it's funny. There's <laughs> it it's ridiculous, but I I do like in all its grandness if you will like, what is it? Grand guignol I think is the expression I'm probably saying it completely wrong but in all of it's like avant-garde you know over the topness I do like that it hits on the topic of bully- bullying um, again yes it may be a little more extreme but then again this is sort of that kind of film that's sort of like a satirization at the same time so maybe it was meant to be a little over the top the thing is, is that I do like that it tried to approach that topic, and that was something that was actually done quite often in the '80s. Uh, other films obviously highlighted on that, um, but this one did it very in your face, <laughs> literally with nitric acid. But <laughs> um, it it really is a shame about Simon that um, he did lose his battle with depression right before, well, but about two years before the movie was released. But we can say at least he left a mark behind. I love that this film is, uh, it's a VHS classic. It, Blu-ray, I believe, is it the Vestron Collector series has the Blu-ray. Arrow in the UK released it on DVD. And then uh, Lionsgate released it on DVD here in North America and whatnot. I mean, it's, it's had its run. Uh, for me, the first time I saw it was on VHS. And then I would actually, it was kind of weird that after I saw it on VHS, I would notice it was on TV quite a lot, in edited form, obviously, Um, there was no nudity and whatnot. Um, And I believe I read somewhere that the UK version uh, took out 34 seconds worth of the film, in which the uh, male nudity and some of the female nudity was actually cut from the film. But here in North America, it was left untouched. At least to my knowledge, anyways. Um, So, yeah, it's a 6 out of 10. I I went with acid baths. Because it's kind of funny, too. The acid, the nitric acid comes into play at least twice in this film. Uh, Once with Marty, obviously, being scarred for life. And then with. uh, It's not Stella. Stella's the one who dies in bed with her boyfriend. They get electrocuted. I forget. can't remember who got i can't remember the name that that is the one downfall i do have with this film at least for me personally sometimes remembering characters names because there's a lot of characters in this movie um and they're all like one name characters joe frank skip skip i remember skip (laughs) skip you can't forget um but Uh, I get Stella confused with the other girls sometimes, except Carol, obviously, because, you know, Carolyn Monroe, which is also it makes it easy to remember her name, Carolyn playing Carol. So, I mean, it makes it easy. But anyways, that's that. Uh, On that note, thank you for listening. Thank you for coming back. I know I took a month hiatus. I apologize for that, kids. But sometimes when you're uninspired, it's better to not do anything than to put out shit. Right? And that was the thing. I didn't want to put out a bad episode and whatnot. Um, not to mention, I think I mentioned on last episode that my microphone stand broke. I still haven't replaced it. I was trying to fix it up with duct tape, good old Canadian way, <laughs> but uh it didn't work out too well. So it is what it is. Uh hopefully I've been able to keep the noise down to a minimum in the background as I'm obviously recording this in other ways. But yeah thanks for coming back um it's good to be back Uh, there will be another episode very soon because i'm going to be sticking with this theme that i'm going with but anyways let's quickly just run through where to find the podcast spotify apple Podcasts, google red circle uh podbean fm player or player fm whatever it is um podcast addict you know anywhere that most of the major streaming apps now are carrying the show which is really awesome on social media facebook.com slash what lurks behind podcast zero instagram at what lurks behind podcast zero and twitter at wlb podcast zero you can also email me at what lurks behind podcast zero at gmail.com i never mentioned that and i thought i should this time because hey email it's still around even though a lot of people don't really use it we're all about the messenger services services these days but anyways i thought i would mention it next episode i am going to announce the next episode keeping it relevant keeping it close with the theme and the times there was that other movie i was talking about from 1986 you know the movie that had the title this movie should have had yeah we're gonna go with that so episode 120 the featured film review will be for April Fool's Day. Because why not? Um, Pretty much when the episode comes out, it'll be around April 1st anyways. So why not? Let's go with it. I didn't do a St. Patrick's Day episode this year. Didn't feel the need to. I mean, once you do the first Leprechaun, do you need to do the others? Well, maybe. Ah, maybe at some point I'll get to those, but... Or there's Maniac Cop. That's a St. Patrick's Day movie that nobody actually ever really remembers because it's so minor in the in the theme and whatnot but there is that anyways thanks for coming back and this show is actually going to end with a song um not an official release so i don't know that it's the accurate version but it's a version i found online i thought okay let's share it because it's a catchy song that's going to get stuck in your head and you'll all hate me for it when it's done the song is called april fool's day i assume fine Harry Manfredini. There's never been a credit as to the band who performs this song, but I'm assuming it's him or some punk band that was so under the radar they didn't even feel like crediting them. Al, where you been, man? You need to shut the fuck up.
0: Hey, lick my plate, you dog dick.